Joe Biden touches down in Israel today. He also plans to visit Jordan, the Jordan he likes, not the not the bad Jordan. The race for speaker is now a marathon. Jim Jordan didn't have the votes and decided not to go for a second round on Tuesday. Even though in the lead up to Tuesday's balloting, he said he would sit there and go all night. But Jordan's wife knew otherwise. When Jordan got the nomination Friday night, there were 50 hard, never Jordans. Everyone figured he was a placeholder, sure to go down to defeat, while Republicans worked behind the scenes to cobble together a real candidate for speaker. But by Monday morning, it was believed he had whittled it down to a workable 10. And by Tuesday morning, many of us were terrified that just like right after January 6th, the Republican rank and file would get in line and fold from not so veiled threats from Jim Jordan and his right wing gangsters. Many of us feared a new reign of terror was about to fall over Washington with Jordan taking orders from Trump. We were looking at government shutdowns and a Congress that would purge the FBI and Justice Department of its funding to keep Donald Trump out of prison. The speaker has a lot of power, especially if all you want to do is take a wrecking ball to the whole system. A lot of us got flashbacks to 2016, when there was no way Trump could possibly win. Jordan's rise from attack dog with no chance of national prominence to possibly becoming the second most powerful person in Washington had all the markings of a blitzkrieg, fast and unexpected. But going into the first round of voting, it was received wisdom that Jordan wasn't expecting one and done, as they say. He and the entire Republican caucus were prepared to go several rounds. Jordan was confident that eventually the holdouts, well, they would come into his column as they saw his numbers increase with each round of voting. So Jordan, going into the first round of voting, wasn't concerned when Don Bacon, the Republican from Nebraska, said, quote, I'm not budging on Jordan. There's no way I'm voting for him. Ken Buck, Republican from Colorado, talked with Jim Jordan Monday night, came out of the meeting, still a hard no. But Jordan knew that after several rounds, they would eventually become team players and fold, just like Mike Rogers of Alabama and Missouri's Ann Wagner, who on Friday said absolutely no to Jordan. But by Monday, they were all in. Jordan knew it takes time, but they'll come around. Mike Lawler, the Republican from New York, and Carlos Jimenez, the Republican from Florida, both said they would vote for Kevin McCarthy, not Jordan. For now. But Jim Jordan knew that Kevin McCarthy was behind Jim Jordan. So Jim Jordan figured, let these guys go around to 
Let them feel important. Let them save face. And then Kevin will tie them to the mast. Mike Kelly, a Republican from Pennsylvania, and Mario Diaz-Ballard, a Republican from Florida, said they would vote for Steve Scalise. But Jordan figured, Steve Scalise endorsed me. Yeah, there's some bad blood over what happened last week, but eventually Steve is going to realize I'm the only one strong enough to herd this pack of braying, stubborn mules. And Steve, he'll get them into my column. Maybe not on the first or second round. Third, fifth, they'll be mined. And then the voting began on Tuesday. Within 10 minutes, Jim Jordan realized he didn't have it. And he'll probably never get it. Jim had spent the weekend bullying, cajoling, and threatening, but he failed to factor in the one variable, he's an asshole. He's universally despised. Republicans might be hateful cowards who are easily threatened, but even for them, Jim Jordan turned out to be a bridge too far. You see, fascists come to power through democratic means. That's how it works. Viktor Orban in Hungary did it democratically, seemingly democratically. Hitler, Mussolini, they all rise to power through their parliaments and quickly learn, wow, it's pretty easy to strong arm politicians who, by the very nature of their job, are already predisposed to compromise. What we witnessed on Tuesday, and it's not done yet, what we witnessed on Tuesday was a failed coup. Jordan, seizing control of the parliament, or the House, had the potential to be just like Hermann Goering running the Reichstag. In, and I mean that to the core of my very being. In March of 1933, Hermann Goering became president of the Reichstag, and Hitler had just become chancellor, and it was Goering who was able to strong-arm legislation like the Enabling Act. He passed all the laws that made Hitler go from chancellor to Mein Fuhrer. That's who Jim Jordan fancies himself after, Hermann Goering, without the war record or impeccable taste in nail polish. That's what they say about Hermann Goering. I don't like Hermann Goering, but nobody in Nazi Germany could rock a satin finish like Hermann Goering. Didn't like the guy, but when it came to nail polish, he could rock a satin finish. What we learned by Tuesday afternoon is that Jim Jordan wasn't as scary as he thought he was. Jim Jordan was going to assault our democracy. And unlike Jim Jordan, the wrestling coach, Republicans didn't look the other way. We learned on Tuesday that there were still 20 Republicans brave enough to protect the institution because that was what was at stake on Tuesday, the institution. And it's going to be at stake again at 11 a.m. this morning when Jim Jordan goes a second round. Going into the first round, Jim Jordan knew he couldn't afford to lose three Republican votes. 
He was expecting cowardice and hoping to find wiggle room from some no-shows or cowards voting present. But every single Republican showed up on Tuesday and they voted. I'm almost certain nobody voted present and I'm almost certain nobody was absent. If I'm wrong, let me know in the comments section. But from what I could tell, every Republican showed up and I don't think Jim Jordan was counting on that. Jim Jordan popped almost as quickly as he emerged as the likely speaker. Before the first round even wrapped, Republicans privately wondered if they should elect the acting speaker, Patrick McHenry, and make him a full speaker for 30 days. That was that is still what people are floating. Make him full speaker for 30 days so Patrick McHenry can get some business done so that the Republican Party doesn't look like a total nest of backbiting sewer rats, which they are. Jordan tried. He tried to keep his game face as the first round went far worse than anybody expected. And then he had to make a decision. Do I keep my promise and go another round immediately? Or do I rush into conference with the caucus and try to work the Never Jordans while at the same time make sure I don't lose the votes I already have? Kevin McCarthy was sitting directly behind Jordan, probably enjoying this, but he was supporting Jim Jordan and whispering in his ear. Jordan's selling point, his only selling point, is he's strong and powerful. But as his lead in the first round evaporated, McCarthy knew the wait-and-see Republicans in the caucus didn't have to wait too long to see that Jordan wasn't so strong. McCarthy reportedly told Jordan, forget the second round, rush back into the conference before the 20 Republicans who voted against you turn into the 50 Never Jordans you were up against last 50, last Friday. He went from 50 on Friday who were absolutely against him. We thought it was going to be 10, but it turned out to be 20. To avoid more defections, Jordan canceled the second round and went into campaign mode. At first, everyone expected a second round after dinner, but this went, the first round went far worse than anybody predicted. Well, at least anybody predicted on Monday and Tuesday morning. Uh, actually, what happened on Tuesday is what most of us, most Republicans, predicted on Friday. Although Jordan did do better than what people thought he would on Friday, right? People thought he'd lose 50 votes. He only lost 20. The problem is by Tuesday after round one, he was weak. And when you're weak, you lose more votes. So Jordan went into a crouch position, and Republicans announced there would be no second round Tuesday night. It would be Wednesday, today at 11 a.m. That's a lot of time for Jim Jordan to work the phones, but it's also a lot of time for him to look even weaker. I am not sure more time will staunch the bleeding. It will be interesting to see if there even is a vote on Wednesday, today at 11 a.m. I have been right 
And I have been wrong and I'm not predicting anything because now I'm hoping. I'm hoping they cancel today's 11 a.m. vote. If there's no morning vote, Jim Jordan is done. Again, I'm not predicting that this is going to happen because this is no longer a game. This is serious. It's not a horse race. It's not political theater. Jim Jordan is a very dangerous man. And everyone in the Republican caucus knows he's a very dangerous man. And if he somehow pulls it out of the fire and becomes speaker, then we are dealing with some nasty anti-democratic forces who have gotten emboldened since January 6th. They've gotten wiser and much more dangerous. Now, assuming Jordan isn't playing a completely different game, and he's just assuming he's not going to steal the speakership, assuming he's playing the game of democracy, Jordan is sunk. He flamed out. He is not Kevin McCarthy. Yes, 19 Republicans voted against Kevin McCarthy during his first round back in January, and it took him 15 rounds. Jordan has uh, 20 Republicans voting against him in the first round. So on the surface, it seems close. McCarthy lost uh, 19 Republicans. Jordan lost 20. Seems close, but it was a different time. Republicans now are desperate. They need to elect a speaker, anybody, and pass a budget. So all of that worked in Jordan's favor. The firebrand became the compromise candidate, but he is still too way, way too polarizing. And 20 Republicans, 20 brave Republicans decided Jim Jordan makes the party look worse than complete paralysis and an inability to govern. Jim Jordan, and there's a growing consensus since he lost this afternoon, Jim Jordan is speaker would serve as a bigger political liability going into 2024 than no speaker. Jim Jordan as speaker would be a bigger political liability than no government, no budget, and a shutdown. That's how dangerous and politically toxic Jim Jordan is, and the American people know that, which is why he has to steal elections. Again, by the time you hear this Jordan might have seized power undemocratically. Uh, let's not forget, Jim Jordan was instrumental in January 6th. He helped Donald Trump try to steal the 2020 election. So he may succeed undemocratically. But if we're talking about getting the speakership fairly, he has nothing to offer. He can't win. In January, Jordan had bargaining power. I'm sorry, uh, uh, unlike McCarthy in January, Jordan has no bargaining power because Speaker Kevin McCarthy took it all away from him back in January. That's when Kevin McCarthy made the deals, when he handed out all the plum committee assignments and chairs. Jordan has absolutely no bargaining chips. There's nothing he can give to anybody. All he can do is repair his damaged relationships soothe a couple of egos, and do what he does best, threaten people. In fact, threatening people is all Jim Jordan really knows how to do. And with 20 
standing up to him on Tuesday, a lot of the 200 Republicans who didn't stand up to Jim Jordan are starting to feel like cowards this morning, probably because they are. But some of them, because they feel dirty for voting for Jim Jordan, they're more prone to defect because a vote for Jim Jordan in the second round that he loses will make you look even weaker. Jordan did far worse than he thought he was going to do. But the question remains, can an election denier accept defeat? Trump couldn't, and Jim Jordan wouldn't after 2020. So that is the question. Jordan fancies himself a grinder. He thinks he can grind people down. So will he retreat and cancel the 11 a.m. vote? Or will he double down, fight harder? Because that's in his DNA, to just keep fighting. Will he go 15 rounds like McCarthy? And if he does, how ugly will it get? How ugly could it get? Very. Jordan asked Steve Scalise, who is the majority leader, who, again, I don't like any of these people, but if there were a logical progression, Steve Scalise right now would be made speaker. He's the majority leader. Jordan asked Steve Scalise to deliver the nominating speech on Tuesday before the first vote, but Scalise said no. Elise Stefanik delivered it instead. And after losing the first round, Jordan met privately with Steve Scalise. Again, Steve Scalise is the second most powerful Republican in the House, and Jordan asked him for help. Reports are that Steve Scalise looked him in the eye and didn't even have to say no. Jim Jordan knew the answer. Scalise is the majority leader, and he beat Jim Jordan last Wednesday. Do you remember? It's hard to keep track of all this. Steve Scalise was nominated to be speaker on Wednesday, but Jordan would not accept his defeat. He was an election denier on Wednesday when he lost to Steve Scalise. While he publicly endorsed Scalise, he secretly stabbed Scalise repeatedly in the back, so deeply in the back that by Thursday, Scalise dropped out, never even going to the floor for a vote. And by Friday, Jordan had the nomination, and along with it, much bad will. Right? Scalise gets the nomination on Wednesday. By Thursday, he drops out. By Friday, Jordan is the nominee. That's some chicken shit stuff, isn't it? Scalise wasn't running yesterday, but people remembered uh, Republican Steve Womack of Arkansas voted for Scalise instead of Jordan. Womack later explained he could never vote for Jim Jordan or forgive Jim Jordan for kneecapping Scalise before Scalise could whip up his votes. He didn't even give. I'm getting angry. I can't stand Scalise, but I'm <laughs> I, I know people like Jim Jordan. He didn't even give Scalise a day. 
to build a coalition, and he destroyed him. Uh, he immediately began undermining Scalise. And we all know people like this. How many co-workers have done this to you? Or how many times have you been in a senior position where you've been there longer and, you know, it's your turn to give out the orders and someone like Jim Jordan comes in and says, mine, mine, I want it, mine. It's who Trump is. It's who Jim Jordan is, which is why they resort to threats of physical intimidation, because nobody really likes them. They just figure it's better to be feared than liked. We all know Jim Jordan. Besides being a vindictive and ambitious little prick, there were other reasons not to vote for Jim Jordan. There was concern that Jordan would push for deep spending cuts, including cutting money for our military. And he turned off Kay Granger, who chairs the Appropriations Committee. There are still, believe it or not, some Republicans who want to cut taxes and make government smaller, but they don't want to wipe it out completely the way someone like Jim Jordan does. Jordan's incessant promises to defund the Department of Justice and the FBI or any other government agency that investigates Donald Trump turned off a lot of members of the caucus. People like Ken Buck, one of only two Freedom Caucus members who voted to certify the election for Joe Biden after January 6th. So as we move forward, pay attention to Texas Republican Kay Granger. She is the appropriations chair. She finds Jim Jordan fiscally irresponsible. She voted no. In fact, a total of seven Republicans sitting on the appropriations committee voted against Jordan, fearing he would slash spending recklessly and force a government shutdown. Pay attention to Kay Granger as we move forward. She was able to move six other members of her committee away from Jordan, and we have less than a month before a government shutdown. We don't have a 2024 budget, and Kay Granger is chairman of the chairwoman of the Appropriations Committee. So this is where it stands now, I think, early Wednesday morning. There's supposed to be a vote at 11 a.m. And as I said, will an election denier like Jim Jordan accept his own defeat? Can Jordan live with the realization that he rose as high as he's ever going to get? Will he accept that all he'll ever be is chairman of the Judiciary Committee? That's it. And how delusional is Jim Jordan? What could he have been thinking in retrospect? I, again, short of some kind of extrajudicial extra takeover of the speakership, what was he thinking? Uh, his childlike behavior after losing this to Scalise last Wednesday was unlike anything this generation of Republicans in the House ever witnessed. It was Trump-like behavior. But if you want to be speaker... You don't behave that way. You don't lose the nomination for speaker to Steve Scalise and then storm out of the room screaming at the top of your lungs, America wants me. This is delusional and a total lack of 
self-awareness. It's bad form if you want to be a leader. He completely showed his hand on Wednesday when he had his temper tantrum. He, he showed his hand. He showed everybody who he is in a room filled with other politicians who know that's not how you negotiate. And that's what politicians do, negotiate. Did he think the Republican caucus would vote for a leader unable to control his appetites, his rages? Or was he counting only on his thuggishly persuasive coercions? Because he is threatening. He did get 200 cowards to vote for him, even though they all hate Jim Jordan. He alpha dogs everybody. They hate him. Jordan's sudden ascendancy on Friday belied a Trump-like contempt for his fellow Republicans, who Jordan most assuredly sized up as gutless cowards, easily steamrolled into submission. Jordan figured a caucus that stood for nothing wouldn't stand up to him. And it looked like that was about to happen, and it still might. But I doubt it because Jordan, in the end, is delusional. He can't cut deals. He can't make friends. He's humorless. There's nothing amusing or likable about him. He learned from Trump without realizing it that there can only be one Donald Trump. Thank God. Thank God there can only be one Donald Trump. He thought he could be Donald Trump, but there's only one. Thank God that looks horrible. Jordan's defeat calls into question Trump's hold over House Republicans. Trump was busy endorsing Jordan right up until the vote, working the phones. So are we witnessing through the defeat of Jim Jordan, Republicans trying to take the party back from Trump, at least in the House of Representatives. As one of my listeners so wisely pointed out, Trump's pathway to stealing 2024 got a lot narrower, narrower because without Jordan as speaker, there's nobody to rig the January 6th certification. January 6th was hanging over the roll call vote. January 6th was the ghost in the room. And no other candidate for speaker is as intrinsically linked to January 6th as Jim Jordan. And for Republicans to have crumbled under the weight of his MAGA-funded bullying, well, it would have turned 2024 into a painful slog of lies and shutdowns. And Republicans were forced to decide on Tuesday whether they were in Washington to serve Trump or the American people. Thankfully, 20 realized they're in D.C. to serve the American people. There are still bad actors, anti-democratic fascists out there. Amy Kremer, who organized the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th, is one of them. She runs Women for America First, which, according to the New York Times, put out a hit list Friday of Republicans opposing Jordan. 
Many Republicans privately said that Amy Kremer's hardball tactics over the weekend were both scary, insulting, and smelled too much like the January 6th insurrection. She serves as a reminder that Jordan is more interested in salting Carthage than healing Washington. Republicans flew back to D.C. Monday and met in the evening. Ken Buck of Colorado came out of Monday night's meeting of the caucus, insisting he was still still a hard no on Jim Jordan. But he said he and Jim Jordan were going to meet privately later to go over his concerns. But on Tuesday, after meeting with Jordan, Ken Buck voted for Tom Emmer, the Republican whip not Jordan. Why? Well, Buck explained on Tuesday, quote, I don't want someone who was involved in the activities of January 6. This was an attempted coup, a mini insurrection. Republican Byron Donalds of Florida supports Jim Jordan, but he said Jordan's pressure campaign over the weekend backfired. Carlos Jimenez of Florida said he would never vote for Jim Jordan, and he kept his word. He voted for Kevin McCarthy, even though Kevin McCarthy was voting for Jim Jordan. Jimenez said after, quote, I'm not going to be a party to a coup. Okay, that's what Jimenez said. I'm not going to be a party to a coup. And as I've talked about uh, before, the former Republican Speaker of the House, John Boehner, referred to Jim Jordan as a legislative terrorist. I got that wrong, so I want to correct that. He, he didn't call him a political terrorist. He called him a legislative terrorist. So I want to correct that. Congressman Don Bacon, Republican from Nebraska, he warned that a vote for Jordan is rewarding bad ve- behavior. And true to his word, he voted for Kevin McCarthy. And Bacon represents a district in Nebraska that Biden carried in 2020. He represents a purple district. Sean Hannity, the odious Sean Hannity, got involved personally over the weekend and was outraged on Tuesday that Jordan lost. And he began threatening Republicans that they wouldn't be welcome on his show if they didn't vote for Jim Jordan. After the vote, Hannity directed his listeners to his website where he listed the phone numbers of the 20 Republicans who refused to vote for Jim Jordan. This type of political doxing has been going on since Friday, and Republican politicians hate it. It's anti-democratic because it's not calling your representative and letting them know what you think. It's unleashing, it's unleashing rabid MAGA imbeciles to leave threatening messages. Most Republican members of Congress know these calls aren't even from their own constituents, that it's astroturf, and that cheapens our democracy. You know, it's an honor system when you call your, your members of Congress, but there's nothing honorable about Jim Jordan and his attack machine. After Jim Jordan lost and Hannity posted the phone numbers of the 20 
Republicans who committed treason hang Mike Pence. Congressman Bacon said his wife received threatening texts and emails warning, quote, your husband better vote for Jordan. Florida Republican Mario Diaz-Balart said of these calls and the threats from Jim Jordan surrogates in the House, quote, the one thing that will never work with me if you try to pressure me, if you try to threaten me, then I shut off. You cannot overstate the threats that these members of Congress were receiving, not just from anonymous callers, but from Republican state chairs and from members of the Republican caucus. Surrogates for Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan can't work 217 Republicans. He needs his little army of sycophants who are also members of Congress. And they're calling to bully and threaten. You know, Chip Roy, for example, that guy can't wait to threaten another member of Congress. Uh, This is the only way Jim Jordan knows how to do politics. One Republican told Axios that Jordan made it clear that if Jordan became speaker without this member's vote, then Jordan would mount a primary challenge in his district and destroy his career. Not exactly kissing babies. That's not electioneering, right? As Tuesday came to an end, calls from uh, Jordan's surrogates in the House, you know, like Chip Roy, intensified. Jordan, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, was desperately trying to stop the bleeding. But those calls from fellow members of Congress who are voting for Jordan and just checking in to make sure you're still voting for Jordan, uh, those calls are reportedly turning members of the caucus who voted for Jordan into defectors. These calls come across as menacing. These pressure tactics are what's causing the hemorrhaging we're going to see at 11 this morning during the second round, if it takes place. When you flood the caucus, your fellow caucus members, with calls to people who already said they will vote for you, but you're double-checking... It implies Jim Jordan doesn't trust you. It implies he thinks you're a liar. And that tends to turn people off. If Jordan cancels the 11 a.m. vote today, it's because he came across as weak and desperate after losing the first ballot. There's one rule in politics. If you're going to be a bully... Don't go weak in the knees. It is believed that Jordan went a little wobbly late Tuesday, early Wednesday. And when Republicans see a strong man go weak, well, those tough-talking invertebrates who call themselves Republicans, they tend to slither away. And we should see massive defections. Again, I am not horse racing this because I, I think we're out of the woods, but 
again, Jim Jordan doesn't believe in democracy. So who knows what he'll do to become speaker. But if the system holds, it's going to be, be because Jordan got weak. He appeared weak. He's not allowed to be vulnerable. He doesn't show. He doesn't do vulnerability. He's a strong man. Whether he somehow pulls this off, right? Where am I here? Hang on. There you go. Whether Jim Jordan somehow pulls this off, the fact is Jordan will be a horrible speaker, not just for the country, not just for Democrats, but for his own party. He showed us, in fact, what kind of speaker he would be on Tuesday by losing the first round. Jordan's whip count going into the first round told him he would lose by a respectable six votes. That count, that count of six, made it wise for him to go to the floor. But he lost by 18. Uh, lost by 18, he lost by 20. Lost by 20. The first job of speaker is being able to count votes. And he failed. If you can't count votes... He shouldn't be speaker. And that was the rap against Kevin McCarthy, that he wasn't good at math. Because, as yesterday's Washington Post reported, Jim Jordan, for nearly two decades in Washington, never passed a single piece of legislation. He doesn't know how to be a coalition builder. He's just a wrecking ball. He doesn't know how a bill becomes law. Often, members of Congress will find themselves voting not for the bill, but for the sponsor of the bill, or the leader twisting their arms. You need to be liked to get things passed. Not only feared, liked. And it's more important to be liked than feared in the House of Representatives. In the end, Washington, thankfully, still seems to run on relationships. And Jordan doesn't understand relationships. He's about dominating potential allies. And that breeds fear, contempt, and mistrust in his caucus. On Tuesday, Jim Jordan learned a painful lesson a lesson that many of us feared may no longer be applicable in Washington's post-January 6th landscape, but apparently it's still applicable. That lesson is fear and intimidation only get you so far, at least for now. Eventually, democracies succumb to people like Jim Jordan, but not Jim Jordan. He's a bad bully. He's bad at being a bully. Trump, not so bad. Trump is good at being a bully. So this is the final tally on Tuesday's vote. And remember, you need 217 to win. Jim Jordan got 200 votes. Uh, so Hakeem Jeffries got uh, 212. Former Speaker Kevin McCarthy received six votes. You know what? I'm getting my numbers screwed up here. 
I, I, did he, I, I, I'm pretty certain it's 20 Republican defectors. I'm positive it's 20 Republican defectors. Okay. Jim Jordan got uh, 200. Hakeem Jeffries got uh, 212. But I don't understand. If Jim Jordan got 200 votes and he and 20 people defected, then he'd have 220. And he would have had 220 then, and he just needed 217 to win. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I don't understand this. I'm, get, I'm reporting the numbers correctly. There were 20 Republican defectors. And Jordan got 200 votes. You know what? You better check. I'm going to check that. And I'll uh, correct it in the comments section. I know that Hakeem Jeffries got 212. Former Speaker Kevin McCarthy received six votes. Uh, this is why I should not be Speaker. I can't count votes. And Steve Scalise, who cast his ballot for Jim Jordan, received seven votes. And five others, uh, five other Republicans, got a total of seven votes. Okay, Hakeem Jeffries got 12 more votes than Jim Jordan. He beat Jim Jordan. The Democratic House minority leader on Tuesday got 12 more votes than Jim Jordan. But unfortunately, speakers must be elected by a majority and not a plurality. So he needs to get to 217. It's doubtful, but who knows? I don't think we're looking at Hakeem Jeffries becoming speaker until 2025. After the vote, Jim Jeff Jim uh, Hakeem Jeffries, Jim Jeffries is the comedian. Hakeem Jeffries said he is willing to help Repo Republicans find a speaker, but he added there was no way he could assist in the election of Jim Jordan, who he called the poster boy for MAGA extremism. Jeffries is signaling to Republicans that they have to choose between bipartisanship or extremism. That is the message that is being given to Republicans. Make a choice. You can either be beholden to the extremists, the MAGA Republicans, the Freedom Caucus, or you can be bipartisan and work with us. But we will not work with anybody from the Freedom Caucus like Jim Jordan. And it's abundantly clear Wednesday morning that extremism, the Freedom Caucus, will not get the Republicans to 217. Unfortunately for Republicans, bipartisanship will. But they can't do bipartisanship because they are defined by their hatred for liberals and Democrats. The whole reason you're a Republican isn't to help America. It's to own the Democrats and make them feel bad. Working with Democrats is perceived as treason. Hang Mike Pence. I mean, that's why they wanted to hang Mike Pence. Now, Republicans think, and they're wrong, 
that if they nominate McCarthy, Democrats will then see that as an act of bipartisanship. McCarthy is not the moderate alternative to Jim Jordan, right? A lot of quote-unquote reasonable Republicans are trying to paint Kevin McCarthy as the bipartisan, you know, less of a flamethrower. He's, he's not as bad as Jim Jordan. Congressman Adam Schiff was censured on the House floor this year because Kevin McCarthy has proven himself to be in the thrall of Trump. And during his calamitous speakership, Kevin McCarthy chose. He made a choice. He went with extremism instead of working with the January 6th committee. He tried to delegitimate the January 6th committee. Kevin McCarthy, just as bad as Jim Jordan. One gets a sense that Democrats are a bit disingenuous when they say they could work with Republicans to help them pick a Republican speaker. Because the only Republican name Democrats give up is Liz Cheney. That's what we're hearing. When, when you ask Democrats in the House, okay, name a Republican you could vote for, the Democrats only give up the name Liz Cheney, who was primaried out of the Republican Party because she sat on the January 6th committee. Again, she could be speaker. You don't uh, have to be a member of the House. You don't have to be elected by the people. Now, I have a question. Do you get a vote? If, if you know, like Trump, some people are saying Trump should become speaker. Uh, but do you get a vote if you're speaker? Hmm. Leave a, a comment and let me know. Meanwhile, Hakeem Jeffries is looking at helping Republicans elect a speaker. There is some back-channel negotiation going on. And what we're hearing is he will help them elect a speaker in exchange for a possible power-sharing agreement on the Rules Committee. That's where... Uh, the Rules Committee is a lot more important than we know. Uh, Tom Cole runs it. He's a Republican. There was talk that Hakeem Jeffries would have supported Cole as the speaker because Hakeem Jeffries, before he becomes speaker next year, he wants to be able to have more influence with the Rules Committee because nothing gets to the floor unless it goes through the Rules Committee first. This is the mop-up for October 18th. Yeah, October 18th, 2023. And at 11 a.m. this morning, Congress is expected to convene and go round two as we are now in our third week without a speaker. Is that correct? It's three weeks without a speaker. Is it? Or two weeks? Well, all I know is there's no 2024 budget. And the continuing resolution runs out in less than a month. That I know. The continuing resolution runs out in less than a month. 
And we're looking at a government shutdown. In fact, during the candidates forum on Wednesday, when Scalise and Jordan were running for speaker, they both admitted that there will be no budget ready by November 17th. So it is conceivable that in less than a month, we will be facing a government shutdown with no speaker, which is exactly what the Freedom Caucus wants, right? Because then you can't fund Ukraine or Israel. Uh, You also can't fund border security, which is what the Freedom Caucus wants. So, uh, Joe Biden's looking a lot better. You know, he, he, he mumbles, he's quiet, he's boring. That's what he promised. He promised he would be boring. This is, uh, anyway, Mr. Excitement, Donald Trump, his civil trial for fraud continued on Tuesday in New York City. Trump was there and told reporters this trial is the beginning of communism. This trial is the beginning of communism. Well, you know, if we learned anything from this trial, Donald likes to exaggerate. So it's probably one third of a beginning of communism. He once again stood in front of the courtroom and told reporters a lie about Mar-a-Lago. He is so upset that people say Mar-a-Lago is worth $20 million. He said it's worth a billion dollars, a billion and a half, 750 million. I'll go as low as 750 million. It's worth a fortune. It's the most expensive house probably in the world. And they said it's worth $18 million. That's what he said. He keeps blaming the judge for saying it was worth $18 million. No, that's what you told the tax assessor in Palm Beach. You signed on to it being worth $18 million. And it turns out, because you're an idiot, you bought a piece of property and signed away all the rights to develop it and you took more tax breaks by doing that. It's it's a historical. It's in a historical trust, Mar-a-Lago. It's locked for generations. Mar-a-Lago is not zoned for anything other than what it is, and you can't change that. It's zoned to be a private club in a building that is preserved by the Palm Beach Historical Society. You can't tear it down. You can't subdivide. It's against the law. You'd be breaking contracts that you signed. What you did do, however, and that's why you've been found guilty of fraud in this already have been found guilty of fraud. What you did do, Donald Trump, is... You borrowed against Mar-a-Lago and told the banks it was worth half a billion dollars. That's what you did do. And they didn't do their due diligence. They lent you the money, which you used to pay back the Russian mafia with. That's the money you stole from the 
Russian mob. You're an idiot. Okay, you're you're an idiot. Um, how is it possible that we're actually still worried about this guy? New Mexico prosecutors say they are now ready to recharge Alec Baldwin with involuntary manslaughter for the accidental shooting of a cinematographer on the set of his movie Rust back in 2021. Baldwin is expected to be brought before a grand jury in November as prosecutors say they no longer believe the gun was tampered with. Instead, they are thinking of charging Baldwin for being reckless on the set and ignoring safety protocols when handling a gun. The FBI says violent crime is now down to pre-COVID levels. But let's hire more police. Murder and manslaughter has fallen by 6.1%. But we need to hire more police. Forget social workers. Spend all our money on police and prisons. Rape is down 5.4%. Property crimes, car theft, stereos, you know, car radios, whatever you call them these days. Property crime is up 7.1%. So the problem is property crime. Uh, it's, It's a... Bad. It's up 7.1%. Police don't prevent property crime. Social workers prevent property crime. Union jobs prevent property crime. Building more prisons, giving the police more weapons will not keep your car stereo secure. Better schools, making... uh, making certain that families have enough food, uh, bringing down the the cost of rent by building more uh, public housing, free tuition at all public universities, that brings property crime down. Hate crimes are up a little less than 1%. Leslie Wexner the founder of Victoria's Secret, announced he will cut all financial ties with Harvard because Harvard has failed to condemn the slaughter of innocent Israelis by Hamas. Uh, I wonder if Leslie Wexner, the founder of Victoria's Secret, that's a big decision, cutting financial ties with Harvard. Did he clear it first with The guy he gave power of attorney to, Jeffrey Epstein. Didn't Wexner lose the moral high ground after we all found out Jeffrey Epstein invested all of Wexner's money and then ended up owning somehow Leslie Wexner's townhouse and private plane? Seems to me you don't have any moral authority when you are in a financial bed for decades with Jeffrey Epstein. How about you shut the F up? Senator Tim Scott, who is running for president, said on Tuesday the U.S. government should deport any foreign students 
who show up for a protest against Israel, because that's what Republicans are all about. You know, the First Amendment and putting an end to the cancel culture. Ron DeSantis said America should not accept any refugees from Gaza. Yeah, like that was ever going to happen. We accept no refugees from anywhere. In the industrialized world, we accept the, the fewest number of refugees per capita. We don't let, we have, we're building a wall. Those, what do you think those people, who do you think those people are? They're refugees. Um, while campaigning, the racist governor of Florida said, this is why he doesn't want to accept any, uh, a straw man, right? The, like we were ever going to accept refugees from Gaza. Like we, were, we didn't accept any refugees from Syria. We don't accept refugees. That's what border security is about, keeping the refugees out. Uh, the racist governor of Florida said, quote, if you look at how they behave, not all of them are Hamas, but they are all anti-Semitic. Who talks this way? Who talks this way? You know, when I go for a walk, I think horrible thoughts, partly because it's funny and partly because maybe I drank too much coffee and I just want to go into a dark place. But you don't articulate that and expect to get elected president. But apparently now in America, you do. I'm not giving up. I'm not, they're going to give up. I'm not leaving. I'm fighting these people. They're wrong, and I'm right. They're wrong, I'm right. All right. Uh, as many as 500 Palestinians could be dead after an airstrike destroyed a Gaza hospital. Hamas is blaming Israeli missiles and Israel is blaming a Hamas rocket that misfired. Uh, President Biden arrives in Israel any minute, maybe there already. Uh, maybe he can bring, maybe he can stop this. At least 15 journalists have been killed in Israel, Gaza, and Lebanon since the fighting began. All right. That's it. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. And uh, figure out what you want. Do you want to spend your time arguing whether or not the people who slaughtered all those innocent Israelis are terrorists or militants? Do you want to spend hours fighting over semantics? This is what's going on now. Arguments about whether or not the, the monsters who committed those atrocities in Israel, are they militants or are they terrorists? 
Is that what you want to do with your time or do you want peace? Ask yourself the big questions when it comes to the big issues. What do you want? Do you want revenge? Do you want to live vicariously through Hamas or through the IDF? Or do you want peace? Do you want to relitigate the past or do you want peace? Do you want these people to coexist and live happily ever after? Or do you want to work out your own personal sexual frustrations and bad toilet training writ large in Israel and Palestine? I choose to work out my toilet training. Much more important. No. What do you want? What are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You're, you're not going to win any arguments. You're not going to prove anybody wrong. Forget it. You're not going to win an argument and you're not going to win a war. You can win peace. That's the only thing you can win. But what do you want? Tell you. There are a lot of sick people desperately in need of psychiatric help and medication. You talk to people about Israel and <laughs> they're not talking. They think they're talking about Israel. They think they're talking about Israel. They think they're talking about Gaza. They're not. They're talking about toilet training and mommy and daddy and self-loathing and uh, fighting depression by lashing out at others. Uh, in other words, they're Republicans. That's how Republicans behave. They like to point fingers and not fix anything. What do you want? I want peace. I want a two-state solution. I want the I want the settlers, the the Jewish settlers out of the West Bank. I think they are an existential threat to Israel. How do you get those monsters out of the West Bank? It's very complicated. Simplify it. If you're for peace, you're righteous. If you're for revenge and war, you're ignoble. You're wrong. I know that. What am I supposed to do here? Uh, oh, if you have any medication, please send it to me. <laughs> no, uh, please like this video, this show, this audio so it remains in your feed. Uh, please leave comments. And I got, I screwed up the numbers, I think, on uh, the tally. I, I, I'm pretty convinced Jordan lost 20 Republicans. But then he got 200 votes. And if he got those, I don't know. I can't do the math right now. Uh, leave a comment. Uh, Please share this. Please subscribe. And go to my website and uh, subscribe to my newsletter. Thank you for showing up. 12.05 tomorrow, I promise. All right. Bye.